Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia. And today we are going to be diving in and talking about the topic of beauty. It's a beautiful topic, and it's something that often eludes us. Now, before we go there, let's do some recapping of what we were chatting about last week. Last week, my cousin, Dr. Joanna Dolgoff, was on the show Last week's show was entitled Food Fight. The pearl of the week was Eat, Try, Love. And I'm so proud of my cousin. She came on and um, I've just watched her bloom and blossom over the years. I'm three months her elder. And she's doing exactly what she should be doing. She's a working mama. And she went through medical school, practiced medicine, was a a pediatrician, still is licensed as a pediatrician, and basically rolled that into her true passion, which is helping adolescents um, with their weight management. She's written a book. It's called Red Light, Green Light, Eat Right. It's It's out right now in print, being published by Rodale. And her food program is really simple, easy to follow, and um, a very helpful guide for not just obese children, but for every family of every shape and size. It really helps you put food back into perspective. And we were really talking about if you if you are what you eat, um, make sure you mind what you're eating. You know, we can all develop multiple personalities, especially when it comes to food. You get to be very experimental. And it's really important to keep it all in check. You know, I personally believe everything in moderation. And when I'm with my children, I do want them to develop a healthy relationship with their food, not where they're they're overly watching or paranoid about it or fearful of it. And I met another mother this week who is a um, first-time mom. She has a young daughter, and her daughter's extremely picky and doesn't really eat a lot. And she's freaking out because we all need to eat. We need our nourishment. We need our, our proteins as long as, you know, your body can handle protein. And... Um, it's really important at a young age, I mean, we come out of the womb and we need to eat. It's right away now. They're, um, they're, it's a whole encouragement, literally, when the baby comes out that they put on your, on, they want the moms who want to nurse to breastfeed. So we need to figure out what is a healthy barometer with food? And it's a lifelong issue. It's a lifelong struggle for a lot of people. And it's something we're supposed to do three, four, or five times a day. If you follow most diets, they say have three square meals and you know at least two snacks. Cut off your eating after, after dinner. Don't have your late night snacks, which um, I probably should have followed last night because I was chomping on chips at 11 o'clock at night 
catching up on my DVR, um, which was sounded like a really good idea last night, but not so much this morning. So we're all making decisions all the time about what we're taking into our bodies. And food is such an intimate relationship because it's literally something we consume in our bodies. It's not a consumption like when we were talking on spring fever about shopping where it goes into your closet and just makes up part of your your wardrobe and your dress up and your outward expression. This is probably the most interpersonal relationship you can have next to you know a sexual relationship. Um, and yes, we will be tackling the topic of sex, I think, um, around mama's, uh, around Mother's Day. I feel like what better time to talk about sex than around Mother's Day, um, and we'll plan some really interesting and fun things. And the thing here at Mama's Pearls is that no subject is off limits. We can talk to Mama about er anything and everything. And now that we're coming off of talking about food and exploring a little bit with Dr. Joanna as to why why most children today, so one out of three American children are overweight. That's a really staggering number. Um, that's that's beats even the new numbers that are out on autism, which is one in a hundred kids. I mean, one out of three kids today are obese. So what do what are we doing wrong? Um, Joanna gave us some pointers about how to know when our child is, is overweight and it's really a matter about looking and getting an assessment of your children's body mass index. Ask your pediatrician to do it if they're if it's not in their their regular regular checkups and also take an honest look at your kids and compare it to other other children, um, not from a judgmental standpoint, but from a health standpoint. Now, when we're talking about food and we're talking about judgments, food is something that leads to um, how we feel about ourselves and our self-esteem. And in developing a healthy relationship with foods is the same as everything else. You know, having a healthful life really comes down to your core of how you feel as a person. And how you feel as a person is going to help guide the choices that you make. Um, and in coming through that, I'm really excited to lead into this show because I think it's a natural segue from going from how we feel about our relationship to food to how we feel about ourselves. And the other, what I see ec epidemic happening with our, our young girls, particularly our young women today, but it really can translate to anybody, is having self-esteem issues. And what are we doing about that? And why are there so many self-esteem issues, especially with, with young women? Now, joining us today is um, is one of my clients and somebody who I've come to know really well over the past year, but I've actually never met her. And she made a really incredible, passionate film called CoverGirl Culture, and you can find it online at www.covergirlculture.com. We're working on putting the finishing touches so we can actually sell the DVDs online. Um, the the film is going to be screening this week at the Delray Beach Film Festival on Saturday at, I believe, 1 o'clock. At 2.15, no, yeah, 1 o'clock, and Nicole and I will both be down there. So if you're going to be in the Delray Beach area or anywhere in Florida and have a car, come on over. You can find out all the information about purchasing tickets to the screening at the Delray Beach Film Festival's website, which is www.dbff.com. 
www.thepowerofthenews.us. And when I was really preparing for this week's um, this week's show and this week's blog, it's called Beauty Mark. And again, we're segueing into talking about the things that really strike our core, um, both as parents and as children. And when I was writing this week's blog, it really brought up a lot of past issues, especially you know as a teenager, and brought up a lot of past insecurities. And it's been really challenging, and I was just telling Nicole before the call that it was something I felt that was really important to write, and it's actually one of my longer postings. If you um, if you go and and read this week's blog, you can find it at www.mamaspearls.blogspot.com, and I, I felt like I can write a whole book on this topic. There's there's so much that goes into what makes us feel beautiful and what our definitions of beauty are. And I've been having a great time on Facebook with my with my weekly questions and really getting a sense of um, what makes people feel be- beautiful and how is beauty defined. We have so many different definitions in our culture of, of what it is and what it's supposed to be. But what do you really see when you're looking in the mirror? And that's why this week's Pearl of the Week is called Mirror of Love. Because ultimately, I feel that the most important feeling that we can have for ourselves and the core of all self-esteem and how we project ourselves in this world is based upon our, our ability to to know and see and be love and also to just feel love and really emanating from that feeling okay about who we are and what we look like, no matter what shape and size we are and what reflects back to us in the mirror. And so much of what I've been seeing and hearing in the responses and just in talking and what's across our society is so much of how we see ourselves and how you know how we see our role with beauty is projected onto us from external sources. So... Back a year ago when um, my client and business partner, Stephen Simon, who he'll be on the show later on, he has a whole awesome (laughs) view into the world of women from having raised four daughters pretty much on his own and having to struggle with his own girl's um, esteem issues and dealing with that as a man, which I I just love that perspective. Um, But he really opened the door for me in the spiritual cinema world, and that's where I spend most of my, my practice, my law practice. And through him, he connected Nicole and I, and Nicole was basically had finished up her film, Cover Girl Culture. She's looking to get it distributed. And we were really starting to talk. And once I saw this film and what she did and her passion for this and her personal experience, she, she was a, a former elite fashion model and did literally walk the catwalk and walk through that world um, of modeling and totally, well, she'll share our experience in in a minute, but what came out the other side was really a step back of what is going on here, people? Why why do we give so much power over to external sources? And I really feel as being part of, you know, even a small part of the entertainment industry, a responsibility to to showcase where where we have... um, 
imbalances and inequities in terms of the balance of power. And I feel that young girls give so much of their own true feminine power over to the media in terms of what the media is reflecting back at them. And so CoverGirl Culture was born, and Nicole spent so much time going around and interviewing young young women, and but also taking a real insider's look into the teenage magazine industry and interviewing magazine, pro, magazine professionals and people who worked there and were responsible for making the decisions of what advertisements to put in the pages and what stories to run. And her film, CoverGirl Culture, is such almost an alarming wake-up call to what is really being churned out there. And I really don't like to to cast judgment. I mean, I usually sway somewhere in the middle. But the the ultimate power of Nicole's film is bringing it back and bringing the power back to young girls and saying, you don't have to pursue this airbrushed version of yourselves that you're seeing flipped before you in the pages of the magazine that you're going out and reading every week, that you really have the power in it in and of yourself. And Nicole has done a beautiful job of doing that, and she's on basically what I see as a lifelong mission. She's already working on her second documentary as a follow-up um, to CoverGirl Culture. CoverGirl Culture is awakening the, the media generation, and her follow-up is taking me out of the media. So I am very happy to welcome Nicole Clark, the filmmaker behind CoverGirl Culture, former elite fashion model, and also the author of two acclaimed children's books that teach emotional intelligence, The Oceans of Emotions and Adventure in Dreamtime. So, Nicole, welcome. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you're here, and I'm so happy to actually meet you in person this weekend. It's just (laughs) Me too. (laughs) It's so funny because we've been talking, and I know you so well already over, over the past year, but I've never actually met you in person. And it's just it's just a real testament to the age that we're living in that we're able to do so much um, but through not even meeting each other. So happy to have you on the air. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And if anybody out there wants to call in and join our conversation, it's a really powerful topic. The call-in number is 347 347- Three two seven nine four five zero. So, hi Nicole. <laughs> hi Cynthia. So, tell me a little bit about your journey. Oh gosh, um, my journey um, into making this documentary and into the discovery of um, the the impact the media and external sources have on on girls and their self esteem. I think it began when I was about. Probably in in grade school, I wasn't aware of it, and then in high school, I became aware of how much the media, the little media that I um, was raised in, actually affected my friends, and um, they weren't able to go out and participate. Um, not all of my friends, but a good majority of them weren't able to fully enjoy and play and have fun without certain conditions in place, like oh, I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not wearing the right labels, or and it was a real shock to me because I had grown up with a completely different perspective. And um, and then, of course, I ended up, ended up entering the modeling world kicking and screaming when I was eight. <laughs> 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 I was a complete tomboy and into sports and, ath- and athletics 
um, and and piano and school and academics and just I just sort of dove into everything in life and uh, the one part that I didn't bother touching was was being um, fussed about how I looked and what I was wearing and and being you know matching the trends and that sort of thing and it, it had to do with my parents 100% of it and uh, got into the modeling world and of course um, went through as a silent observer and and saw the the sort of the chaos and the illusion or the spell that was cast and just walked through and saw girls, um, many girls around me in the industry um, just sort of go down the tubes or go down the the spiraling downwards, um, buying into that illusion and believing that their worth um, is attached to their external self. And it's a world where your external is, is praised greatly and valued greatly, and there's zero praise for anything else other than your external. So a, a world that, that puts so much emphasis on that, it can only produce that in its, its viewers. And so um, I got out of the industry happily and helped a friend of mine um, leave as well who had had an eating disorder and um, moved back to Canada and then met a friend of mine a few years later who did documentaries and he heard about my background and, and encouraged me to do CoverGirl Culture. And uh, I was very reluctant at first because I thought, well, you know, I'm, I've made it through that world and I'm fine and, you know, if other women out there are going to choose to believe in it, then that's fine. That's their choice. And then he just kept encouraging me, no, no, you really can make an, a change here. And so I had to build up the courage to go and face that world and, and see about um, shining some light in it. And uh, that's how CoverGirl Culture came about. Yeah, that must have been difficult for you to step back in after you've, you've come out and and you know, from what you're saying, seeing some pretty negative, negative, um, negative things that it does. Now, yeah. what? Now, here, here's something that really struck me in your film, and um, which you touched, touch, just touched upon in your little journey's um, snapshot, and it's really what. One question that you ask, and one thing that is is the constant focus, is who defines what's beautiful? And in the film, when you're interviewing young women, they all say that they want to be a model, that they want to go into fashion, they want to be famous. Um, and these are, are young girls, and when you are in your teens, it's so critical um, to have a strong you don't well you're not necessarily have your strong core yet but to be led to places that don't completely bash up your self esteem um right. i see you know even like with my with my daughter who's a little bit more more secure but with young women it's like such a seesaw to how you know how it can be like as their own barometer of how they feel about themselves and more so than ever young girls are they want to pursue the limelight and life in the spotlight and be on the co- covers of splashy magazines and but once they get in there um what is really the realistic treatment of young women from the insider's view Oh gosh, <laughs> yes. Like I get uh, that's a, a good question because many mothers will approach me and say, "Oh, I want my daughter to be a model. I want her to get into the industry," and it, unless their daughter has rock solid self esteem, where people could tell her, you know, she needs to lose ten pounds, she needs to, um, 
be, you know, I can give you an example for myself when I was modeling with elite. I was told not to speak on jobs because I was too intelligent and it was intimidating to the clients. Right. Um, and, of course, that's not going to be a common thing told to the models, but it was shocking to me because my parents raised me to be polite, helpful. That was another thing. I was told not to be helpful on the jobs. This was in the 90s. And now, this was in the 90s, and they wanted us, they actually sat us down and told us that we had to be divas and have attitudes and, pardon my French, but we had to be bitches. And and I I just sat there with my wanting to have my jaw hit the floor Um and thought, how on earth, why are you telling me to change who I am when you're just taking an external picture of me? It just didn't make any logical sense to me. And I saw so many young girls just say, okay, and do it, because they probably also were taught to listen to their elders, and I want this dream so badly that I'll do whatever you're telling me to do. And when girls are taught, told to lose weight, and they don't need to lose weight, it's just these people in the industry are so used to saying that and they just want to keep the girls on their toes <laughs> to watch their diet because they know as the girls get older they'll put on more a little more weight because they're they're not um their metabolism slows down a little bit but it's just um yeah they're not trained in nutrition they're not trained in in health and wellness at all and um it's just really sad to see what happens to girls who go in the industry with well-meaning parents, you know, and maybe they did start off with some with some strong self-esteem, but because there's lots of money to be made and mm-hmm. and there's also that dangling bit of fame and fortune or fame that comes along with it. I think some people are willing to cross the lines, or many people have been willing to cross the lines. And because, like you said, they're young girls, they're impressionable still at that age. So, uh, you know, I would say if your daughter's really, truly desiring to be a model, wait till she's 18 or 19. And right. Really is, that, is that considered too old um, to enter the modeling industry? It just depends. Um, hopefully um, things will change with it and age ranges won't matter necessarily and perhaps we'll be making a demand and a change in advertising and we'll have more realistic portrayals of of human beings versus the plastic beings that we're seeing in the magazines. Right. Well, then it it seems a little bit more is needed as far as an overhaul of, you know, if you're hiring somebody, take a look at their personalities. I mean, when I watch um, America's Top Model, you know, one thing Tyra Banks does say is to keep your personality and to keep, you know, to be who you are. But, you know, the trade-in, you know, you kind of say, like, especially as a mom to a daughter, it's like, is the trade-in worth it? Where, yeah, my my daughter might um, have a lot of fun, get really, you know, amazing clothes. Maybe I'll get one, you know, she'll pick up a bag for myself. Um, yeah. she'll, be, she'll be able to make money that she can go to, to put towards college. Um, and she'll live her live her dream of being, you know, being famous and having to play out that diva role. I mean, you can't tell me there's young girls, and I'm included in that, that would have loved to play out that role of being being a diva. You know, I think that 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 is another um, another scent of attraction to to young girls. It's like, wow, I get to be a diva. I get to tell people what to do and be a bitch. Okay, you know, <laughs> I think that you know that there is something in there that we we kind of like to explore as far as um, as you know, it's another little power trip, but. You know what are you really trading trading in for yourself? And you say about girls being impressionable. I'm sorry, but we're impressionable at 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 any age. 
true. We really and are. I have, and I have to say that the uh, America's Next Top Model show is so far from what actually happens in the reality of the um, fashion industry. See, that's <laughs> so funny. That's something I wouldn't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So many of the models that I've talked to over the years interviewing, they just laugh at the show and they just say, oh, my Lord, it's just so far from the actual truth of what <laughs> what happens. Well, that's really good to know, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you talk about self-esteem and trading, trading that up for money, I think even if you have a rock-solid core, if you go in and you're facing rejection, which is something both mm-hmm. um, that, you know, with actors and um, any form of talent, really, that you see it on American Idol, you see it on, on all the all the um, reality competition shows, and it seems particularly in um, in the fashion world where rejection is coupled with critique, um, and it's critique coming from whoever's doing the critiquing, uh, and it's something where if you're here, you're fat enough enough times, or you're not pretty enough, or any anything negative about yourself little by little can chip away at your core. Mm-hmm. You hear it enough time and you really start to believe it, well, I must be this, I must not be as pretty as I thought. I must, you know, my nose must really be huge. My my butt mm-hmm. must be way too big. And that that's really, really hard to face on a daily basis and as a, as a career. And one of the things that, that I really see, in, and, and I'm remembering the movie Gia with um, Angelina yeah. Jolie, Mm-hmm. And just watching her character throughout the the film, you know, the, the whole, you know, obviously it was to the extreme because she got tied up and, and did a downward spiral with drugs. Right. But, um, you know, on one hand, she's so beautiful, and on the other hand, there's a million things wrong with her. Um, how can you be both and still, and still feel secure about yourself? Mm-hmm. It's like almost, it's almost impossible. And the um, the one of the other leading questions that you have in Cover Girl Culture is, if you can change something about yourself, what would it be? And it's like, really, to young girls, <laughs> you know. But but what were the answers that that almost surprised you or concerned you most? Oh, I was really surprised at how many girls, especially when I went home to Canada. I thought for sure that you know my Canadian home girls would wouldn't be as affected, and they were, and it was really sad to hear them wanting to change their weight, and they wanted to be skinny, they wanted to be taller, and when asked, why do you want to be taller? Well, taller people are perceived to be thinner because you just, you know, your your weight is distributed more in the height, and it was all about weight, 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 and being prettier and being, um, yeah, I guess it was just being pretty and skinny, and um there was only a few children who took the question as not necessarily being about their looks because it was just, you know, what would you change about yourself? And a few of them said they'd like to be nicer to their siblings. And one cute girl said that she wanted to be able she she wanted to enjoy doing homework. That's cute. Yeah. That's cute. But that yeah, that's the main challenge in her life as a teenager <laughs> is is doing homework. That sucks, you know. Yeah, rather be out cute. playing. That's really cute, but like, right, but that's that's where I would see, um, I would like to see more girls feeling like that, where it's not about the external things, it's about, okay, I know I have work to do and I wish I could, I wish I could enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's really not, you know, from, you know, just, just seeing what's out there, there's just, it's almost too much bombardment of, 
of reinforcing the external. Mm-hmm. So well, the young girls, young girls, so are, are and just anyone's when they're developing and they're young children, their subconscious minds are sponges. They're just taking everything in they hear from the external, including their parents and the media and friends and family members. And so whichever has the loudest voice, which in most cases is the media, because they're, if they're being exposed to a great deal of media, that's where a lot of the, the input is going to be coming from, unless, of course, the parents are there to monitor what shows they're watching or how much you know, video games they're playing and that sort of thing to, to regulate and be the gatekeepers of what's going to go in and out of their child's um, developing mind and subconscious mind, which is just bringing everything in and saying yes to it. And um, the one part you were talking about with, with um, oh, I lost my train of thought here. What we... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you're, you're talking about the children and what they were, what they were, why they were wanting to change their external right. appearance. And um, one of the women I interviewed in my film, Dr. Deborah Burgard, she, um, I asked her, I said, why do so many of these young girls, 10, 9-year-old, even 12-year-old girls, are desiring strongly to be models or celebrities or just famous for something um, in, the, in the image world? And she said, it's not that the girls are stupid or being, um, being um, shallow. It's only that they're looking into society to see what gets recognition, what gets acknowledgement. And it's a normal desire of humans in any culture to look to the into their community to see what's getting that acknowledgement and that recognition, and then to, of course, have that as their goal. And so she said it's not that they're being shallow wanting to be models. It's all that they're seeing in their world that's getting the recognition and acknowledgement and love that they're, they're choosing to have when they get older. So that made, that made a huge connect for me and went, oh, my gosh, well, we need to start showing our girls another way to have acknowledgement and success and uh, recognition in our world because they're getting – there's maybe 90% of it is fashion models and actresses and singers and reality stars and, and, and television personalities. Oh. And it's the tiniest slice, if they're lucky, of another way to be female, successful, and have recognition in their world. Right. And, and you also said to, for love, that yes. that is the sign Ultimately. of you being loved is being idolized. Um, is that true love? Oh, of course, or being idolized, no, it's not true love. And um, no, not at all. It's the, the false love and that false, false self-confidence is what they're seeing also on television. Like you were saying, so many models or celebrities are unhappy with themselves in whatever aspect. Some of them still don't think that they're pretty enough or thin enough or whatever it is. And, and uh, the illusion yeah. or the spell that's cast is that if you're pretty and famous, you'll, you'll be happy. And but I but what what is even more freaky is that you see all all um, you know I mean the celebrities you see it every week and Us Weekly and splattered across the pages about the downward files and and their trips um, their trips and slips basically that's another thing that's capitalized upon in the media industry and yet it's still a path that people want to pursue. 
And, you know, I understand if you get bitten by the acting bug, you get bitten by whatever bug. I mean, I'm totally bitten by the blog and radio show show bug. (laughs) And, you know, right now I can't get enough of it. I just, I absolutely love it. Um, But I think coming in, you know, into it in your 30s is a lot different than when you're going into it when you're younger in terms of understanding, like, the expectations and the road you know, kind of ahead of you, at least I, I'll just keep telling myself that. Um, <laughs> but when when you see a Brittany Murphy and you see a Michael Jackson and you see these people who have had, like, untimely deaths and, and their own own challenges and insecurities being played out for everyone to see, I mean, it's hard enough to grow to grow up just within the four corners of your house and your high school and with the, among your peers, but to have to grow up um, in the public eye is it, such a hard, difficult, you know, I can't even imagine it. And that's what a lot of people want. They want that. They think it would be cool to have paparazzi following them. You know, there's a um, a service that, that's out there that will, you can basically hire them to be your, your paparazzi for a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot what it's called, but it, but it's out there, and you know, and I was actually thinking of doing it like with, for one of my friends' bachelorette parties. I was like, well, how fun would that be to be followed from party to party and have pictures, and you know, and they put together like a little glossy magazine for you as as part of their service, and, you know, and people you know want that lifestyle, and um, you know, but is that real? You know, the the celebrities still then go and they have their own issues, they have their own struggles. You know, the the other fellow mom celebrities. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. um, mom communities that are being um, formed right now online that that's being spurred by um, celebrities who are who are parents. And when you're talking about the parents regulating what's going in and out. Um, that that's, it's getting harder and harder because the content is available everywhere. So has where and you know how much control do you really have over monitoring your kids? Last night on, on parenting parenthood, which I love the new series. Um, you know the parents wanted to know who their daughter's boyfriend was, so they basically hacked into her Facebook account to know what what's happening with her. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of parental controls in this industry, which is so huge and just keeps on growing and finding more creative ways to get into our faces um, is going to be more and more challenging to filter. Right, and And that's why it's so important for the parents to have the strong voice when the child is young up until they're they're early or they're preteen to be able to um, set them loose into the media world and knowing that they've given them the foundation and the guidance and being the examples for them. Right. And it's also teaching them a different kind of love that it's not, you know, that's all well and good. And I love movies just as much as the next person. And I, you know, built my my career around film um, and the entertainment industry. But it's it's something where trying to work on um, bringing it back into reflecting something that's more beautiful um, and pure and is rich with personality, that it's not just void, it's not just an empty shell, you know, being a diva, walking walking down a catwalk and putting on a show, but it becomes much more authentic. And yeah. authenticity is something that, I'm sorry, you don't get in, in the fashion industry, mm-hmm. um, or, it, or it's very rare. It is, you know, there are so many things being called to the carpet now with who's being airbrushed and who's not. 
um, and celebrities who who are battling that. You know, Demi Moore is, was, had a famous thing just recently. We're saying she was Von Airbrush, and she sued whoever claimed that um, that she said you know who said that she was on a on a recent um, shoot. And it's just it's just really an interesting. Um, an interesting phenomenon that's happening. There's almost a little bit of a mini revolt, and I do see people, um, especially spiritual and conscious-minded people, wanting to really change. I mean, that's why we we formed the Spiritual Cinema Circle. We wanted to put a different form of entertainment out there. I know somebody who is working on um, building from the inside out a new form of advertising um, where it is more conscious and it is more authentic and it is positive. Um, but what you really showed in Cover Girl Culture was where the negative pockets are. So you want to talk to me a little bit more about the media advertising that you were really exploring and what you were most shocked about. Uh, well, the, the, the biggest shock for me in the advertising that I discovered was brought to my attention by a parent. She um, shared with me how... She's having um, to really rein in the images that her daughter is being exposed to, and was having a huge challenge because they were images that were sexualizing girls at younger and younger ages. And um, I talked to my husband's cousin recently, and she said that she um, just noticed that she had to start watching and and kind of censoring the Disney Channel because the little girls in the show were dressing in really sexy outfits, and she heard a child at her son her daughter's school tell her she looked sexy in something, and she's seven. So that was really shocking for me. And my, my, um, I hadn't included that in the film originally, and when I did research into it um, based on a few mothers sharing, um, I was really stunned to discover how much um, sexualization of girls was, was actually present. And to me, I, I see it as a form of terror, terrorism um, for whoever it is that, are, that is making and putting out these images and, and purposely putting them in young girl, like Teen, teen Vogue, who's I think the young, youngest readership they have and know of is 11. The demographics go 11 all the way up to 30-something. So to know that you're going to have an 11-year-old possibly looking at Teen Vogue or Elle Girl and um, Cosmo Girl, is you're putting the ads in there that are for a 20-something-year-old girl to see, and um, it's just, yeah, it was it was appalling to me and shocking, and I realized, oh, I can, I can bring this to the light for it to be upgraded into something that's going to be empowering, and they can still advertise to our young people and do it in a conscious way. So, what's wrong with a seven-year-old being sexy? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I, I also found, uh, I also found. Um, Padded bras, like shaped um, padded, or what is it? What we call it? like push-up bras, in the um, tween pre-tween market for girls like six, seven, and eight. That was really oh shocking to me. Goodness. And that's also in cover girl culture. And I, I show it to one of the the women in the movies, and she's appalled, and she just went, "Well, that's you're basically turning your daughter into eye candy for a man that would be attracted to a seven-year-old, and why would you want to encourage a pedophile to notice your child? It's just, it's just really strange. Where and and she can understand why some women would think, oh, it's cute, it's a cute little bra for my daughter, and at the same time, what are you showing the world? And that's where the awareness, I think, more awareness that we have of our choices of what we're giving and showing to our daughters, is key. Just being aware and conscious. That's really scary, but um, what what you're saying, it seems like there's a real acceleration 
of um, what young girls are exposed to if a 16, 7 year old are really acting as what an 18 to 25-year-old girl would be. Mm-hmm. Versus just jumping rope and climbing trees right. and playing in the backyard playing and being a little guys. girl. Right, yeah. and, you know, and going around, you know, beating up boys, like I think that's what I was doing <laughs> when, I, when I was six or seven. Yeah, and my dad, right. I would just talk to him. Um, my dad, he's a grand grandpa, and he was watching cartoons with my niece, who's five, and he suddenly, his first realization of the media's influence, and he suddenly saw um, commercials during the cartoons for my niece who's five and he said these commercials were for teenagers they weren't for my niece or my my granddaughter why would my granddaughter have to worry about her acne or worry about having the right clothes for boys to like her and he said i was really upset to see that that message was going into my granddaughter so he's i was trying to change the channel and find looney tunes or something else to switch to where she wouldn't be exposed to that message versus just, you know, a little toy commercial or or something that's for her age range. But instead, he said it's almost like they're pre-programming my granddaughter to be ready for acne and this and that and all the other adult things or or teen things that are going to come at her instead of just letting her play in the imaginative world of a a five-year-old instead of forcing that, forcing adulthood on them when, when they're very young and sexual concepts that aren't even on their screen yet their radar they don't you can't even interpret it yet but it's being put into their subconscious minds right of how to make themselves eye candy for men and you know again i say this on mama's pearls all the time that men are so lucky to have women (laughs) and um you know take your power back girls you don't have to put yourselves out there and one of the things that my mom really raised me with a core value was self-respect and having respect for your body. I mean, your body mm-hmm. is your temple. And um, allowing somebody to have your body um, is, you know, do you just give it away or is it something where there is a respect involved? Mm-hmm. And that's something, it, you know, in terms about the sexualization, like it's it's fun and amazing to feel sexy, um, but not in, you know, for me, like gratuitousness, I, you know, that to me is a total turnoff. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, you watch Dancing with the Stars, which had Pamela Anderson the other night, and she is like the queen of sex. And, you know, she's made a career about it, and nobody does that whole bombshell bit better than her but that's not for everyone (laughs) and um still with girls uh, you know wanting that part and most women do want to feel sexy and they want to feel attractive and they want to be um considered appealing whether it's by a man that they're they're after they're married to or just for themselves and how we go about doing that, though, um, is something that's getting a little perverted in our society. Mm-hmm. And what's shining back in terms of the message of what that is and looks like, 
um, one of the things that you and I talk about frequently is the commercialization aspect. I mean, remember, like the beauty industry, like the food industry, like the media industry, it's an industry, it's a business, and it's not a small business, it's a huge business. We're talking billions of dollars a year get put into um, the making of the products, the selling of the products, the running of the companies to have all this turned out, and the products being beauty products, being clothes. The retail industry is a huge industry, um, and it's broken down into into sections, and it includes the media, the media being um, television, Oscar night, to sell fashion and makeup and that whole beauty part, as well as um, as your magazines. You know, this is a whole, in, you know, a whole industry. There are people in within it that are working to have more positive um, effects on the industry. There's um, designers who are looking to do more more conscious clothes and manufacturing and making sure it's done with fair trade and sustainable products and that kind of stuff, which I see as a positive. Um, there's makeup companies that are looking to do the same thing where it's more natural-based makeup and organic and this and that. But the, the vast majority of the mass massive part of the multi-billion dollar industry um, is still kind of stuck in the old paradigm of um, selling and sex is something that sells, whether you're selling it you know, to a guy or to a woman or to a woman to be more attractive to a guy, it's a really driving force. When you look at the mag magazines and you look at the advertisements for perfume, most of the people in it are, are naked and in very sexually suggestive um, poses. <laughs> yes. My favorite and is when, you, when you, you see an ad that's extraordinarily sexy and it's just a watch. And I just right. <laughs> I, I tell I tell girls when we go to schools and I we do media awareness or media interpretation and they start laughing and they're on the floor rolling around because they suddenly realize that the sneaker okay. ad of a guy and a girl in the throes of passion is because of a sneaker and they just start laughing hysterically because a guy would never go oh my god I love your shoes can I go out with you or your watch or your purse and it's just you know to see through and find the humor and the ridiculousness of it I think will help turn it around and make it into something that's a little more entertaining and realistic about what you're actually looking at and more real and that's what yeah. I, I love about your film cover girl culture and what I'm excited to see in your next film is basically putting the media back in its place mm -hmm. um, because again I, I see nothing wrong with um, utilizing products and going and right. having a, a beauty day and getting your hair cut and get, getting your hair colored and um, you know especially at my age with, with starting to do gray cover um, and I see nothing wrong with using external things to help you um, maximize your already existing beauty but it's 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 where we pile on the external in order to feel you know to kind yeah. of do something with your core, or letting it take away from from what's already there in you. Where I see the real negative um, aspect to this. Right, and having your your self worth be attached to your externals beauty is instantly going to fail because age is going to happen regardless. So it's almost a, an instantly losing battle is when someone attaches their self-worth and their value to their external beauty, unless they have, like you said, raising your child with um, 
with knowing all the different aspects of what beauty is, their intelligence, their character, their their sense of humor, their creativity, their kindness, compassion, all of those beautiful aspects of themselves. And then it shines through, and then their external beauty just radiates regardless of their age. Right. And, and that's what's really cool about what I what I read in your article about the beauty mark. Yeah, thank you. That was something um, that I feel very strongly about, that beauty is not just the external and it's not just things, um, that it's more than just how you look in the mirror. It's, you know, beautiful actions that you do. I mean, I have a two-year-old daughter who is just the most beautiful and bright-eyed and most precious little thing to me. And could I take her into modeling and would somebody love taking pictures of her? Absolutely. I mean, she's just a riot, and she's gorgeous, and she photographs well. Um, have I thought about pursuing that with her? Yeah. I've actually taken the steps to ask my friends um, if they know different modeling agents for children. And then I really, like, there's a wall that goes up on me. And it's like, why do I want to do, you know, subject her to anything that would quash that spirit in her? And, you know, the part of the creating the empty shell is, like you said, going through, the, going through that industry and having, having it quashed. Even if she is so strong and secure, I'd be way too concerned about that. And you actually see my mom calling in, so I'd love to bring, bring her on and get her, her take on this, too. So hang on one second. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mom. Hi. 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 Welcome Hi. to Mama's Pearl. Can you hear me? Yes, make okay. sure you make sure you speak up because the um, last call with you was a little bit low on the volume, and I also forgot to tell people when they were listening to Food Fight, my show with um, with with my cousin Dr. Joanna Dolgoff, there was about a minute where I actually dropped off the call, <laughs> so there was a little bit of silence, but then we do pick up, so you know, just hang on. So welcome, Mama. Have you been listening to the show? Oh, I am really enjoying this because it's such. A critical, a critical piece of knowledge and awareness that adults should have, especially towards their daughters and to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's pretty frightening to think. Wait, that mom, these, mom, yes. do, you, are you, do you still have the computer on? Yes, I need to turn that down. Yeah, because I hear it in the background. Okay, I'll do that. I can do that. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Yeah, Mom, this is Nicole. (laughs) Hi, Nicole. Uh, Hi, nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. I love your topic. I love what you're uh, touching upon and broadcasting. Um, It's so, so crucial. I work as a family therapist, Mm. so I see so many of the times parents um, not really being aware of helping establish a sense of self, Mm -hmm. particularly to their daughters, and um, also seeing it in the parents, that uh, the mothers who have relied on their beauty all their lives, Mm -hmm. having a race or a battle with getting older and their age. Mm-hmm, Instead right. of being embracing whatever stage of life that they're in, so uh, I'm so glad you you're bringing this out and uh, letting people know that this is very important. Oh, you're welcome. Have you have you noticed in your practice with the fathers 
that they um, they are maybe they're not aware that what they're saying to their daughters is actually affecting their self-esteem. Absolutely, absolutely. They talk about oh she's eating too much. Look what she's eating. Oh you look a little chubby. They make those mm. comments all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And then maybe comments that they make about other women that they're seeing on the on the street or on television. Ooh, yes. yes, absolutely. And the, and the daughters the pick that up as up. the new. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's such an important part of it too. I mean, we talk a lot about the moms, but it's 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 everyone. It's it's the everyone that your child is exposed to, it. and it's particularly the dads have a crucial role in mm-hmm. help building um, their daughters and sons' self esteem. And we I'm really focusing on the girl time and, instead of the men, but. It's crucial how how a dad responds to their their daughter. Oh, you're going out like that. You look like a slut. Uh, you know yeah. those those little comments, which you might think um, some way are helpful, are they're not. Um, now your daughter's going to walk out and think she's a slut. So she's guess what, dad? She's going to bring home every guy that get guy that she meets. And um, these little tiny things that we say almost unconsciously to our kids do have an effect and what we were saying about you know I really feel that this movie needs to be seen by every mom and their daughter and now even more so their dads to be aware of what's going on and where their the moms have just as much struggle with these issues as their daughters a lot of moms feel in competition with their daughters, especially when you're talking beauty and they're seeing their young, gorgeous daughters come out and come out and into their own and into their full bloom when um, maybe their moms, um, twi- um, Pete, you know, have already passed their prime. And that's a whole other issue that we as women have to deal with as aging. And um, so they might rebel against their own, own daughters, obviously, probably not intentionally. Well, Um, we're trained as women that our power is our beauty, Mm -hmm. that we we have the power of the draw because we're so beautiful. And a lot of times that's all. And I have clients that really cry about it and struggle with Mm -hmm. that fact because they were trained, just be beautiful and you can get everything you want. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And... That's so far from the truth, uh, but especially when you're getting older and you're a mom, uh, regardless whether you have a daughter or not, but when you have a daughter and she turns into a teenager and she starts to bloom into a beauty and a sexual beauty, uh, that it becomes very hard for a mom who attaches a lot of her power, who she is, mm-hmm. on that, on that, on that yeah. sense, ability I, I, to attract. I can Which see me having a doozy with with Casey because that's going to happen to her absolutely. when I'm when I'm going through through starting menopause. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Right, that's going to and, and so suck. See, Nicole, that I love what you said about your parents instilling a sense of yourself and mm-hmm. uh, you as a person. I think it's crucial because that carries you through every stage. That, yes. wow, who I am is not reliant on this power of attraction. Mm-hmm. Who I am is so much more than that, that yes. I can develop who I am more and more and more. 
Yes, and when you have your external value, like if your daughter is going to be more beautiful than you, mm-hmm. and if it's attached to your external beauty, your your self worth, then suddenly your body has betrayed you when you're forty or fifty or sixty, and there's nothing mm-hmm. to cling to, and that's or, what's really sad. Or plastic surgery. Yes, right. or yes, which yeah, which is. Um, yeah, I had I had this realization about our bodies and wondering, well, why do they age and why why do they fall apart and get old and mm-hmm. and I realized it's it's because we're not supposed to get attached to our bodies. We're supposed to let them go so we can make the transition. So being attached to the physical and doing plastic surgery to make it look like it's a weird, wacky kind of twenty or thirty is is missing the point of the fact that our bodies age and will let go because we're to be detached from our physical form. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. it's really yeah. interesting. And, and, and do you have one more thing to say, Mom? No, no, I think I said oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I had an interesting experience when I was uh, growing up. I was the ugly duckling growing up. So that mm. stuck with me even into the modeling world. And I think one of the really one of the uh, blessings in disguise, as much as I would cry and be upset about it, was <clears throat> because I was the ugly duckling growing up, and boys weren't interested in me. Um, I learned when I got into high school, and probably in about eleventh or twelfth grade, I blossomed and became. And as society saw me, I became a pretty girl. And the same boys who were mean to me just. Mm-hmm. On a whim, turned around. Oh, and all I, you know, their attention was on me and interested. And I just had to look at them and go, just because the exterior has changed, you're now thinking that I'm worth your attention. No, how how is that going to happen? What if something happens to my exterior in five years or ten years? Then what? You're just going to flake and go away. So it was a huge lesson for me to realize that wow, you know, there was that that. Um, shallowness that had existed in the programming of what young boys perceived as worthy in a girl mm. in society, and of course there were some some guys in our school who were really nice and cool, and they were my friend. But um, there were others who wouldn't have anything to do with girls unless they were seen as pretty. So it was a valuable lesson to um, to share with young girls and young boys. And I shared it at a, a school here in, in LA, and it was so cute. This little eight-year-old boy put his hand up and he says. <gasps> There's a girl in my school who's she's kind of an ugly duckling, and I'm going to be nice to her because she might turn out to be hot. <laughs> so he got the message, but it was just kind of funny how he was motivated by still she'll turn into this hot girl. Right. Um, but you know, it was a different message for me growing up was realizing and and being able to detect when someone was interested just in the exterior, and then of course I went into the modeling world and and. Uh, I still, I had the agencies telling me, you know, you have to believe that you're pretty. And I spoke to a psychologist during CoverGirl Culture, and she said, actually, what you're, what's ingrained in you when you're young sticks with you until you can actually work through it and transmute it and, and upgrade your old belief about yourself into a new one that's that's current and based in reality. Beautiful. So we have a minute remaining. Oh. Uh, right? It goes so fast. And um but I I loved what we've we've covered here and, and like I said to you coming into the show, I know that we're gonna have to do multiple shows to really to really explore this topic because it just has the 
the longest arms and the longest tentacles. But mm-hmm. I do want to remind our listeners here that um, that Nicole's film, CoverGirl Culture, you can find it online, www.covergirlculture.com. If you want your school, your daughter's school or your own school to film it, you can contact our distributor, which is Women Make, Make Movies. Otherwise, you can contact either my myself or Nicole to talk about arranging a screening for your for of Covergirl culture for yourself and your daughters and your daughter's school and peers. Now, just before we um, close out the show, I'd love to do my little "Come Tell Mama" segment, and I just I just love this part. It's one of my my most fun parts. So, Nicole. Oh, and again, CoverGirl Culture is going to be screening this weekend at the Delray Film Festival. Uh, Nicole, what is your favorite luxury indulgence? Oh, chocolate. <laughs> That's right, and you're doing a whole blog about chocolate, which I yes, love. I what, what is that blog address? Um, it's uh, A Day Without Chocolate, and uh, I choose to know the rest of it. A Day Without Chocolate, um, I think it's through... Ah, I'll find it Blogspot. and then get Isn't back to you. Isn't it Blogspot? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll yes. post it yes, on Blogspot. Yes, Blogspot. Blog and okay. and come join us on uh, CoverGirl Culture's website, covergirlculture.com, and you can join us on Facebook. There's a link and Twitter. Perfect. Okay, so which of the following would you choose? The best sex of your life, the best meal of your life, or the best sleep of your life? What's the last thing? Sleep. Oh, sleep. Um Probably the best sex of my life. Nice. I already have the best, uh, the best, um, often the best sleep of my life. I get to sleep in, so <laughs> I get plenty yes. and plenty and plenty of that. That's because you don't have kids yet. <laughs> <laughs> that yes, will, that will change. probably change. I'm going to interview one. you again after you have kids and re-ask <laughs> you that question. It will be for sure. I can tell you how it will be the best sleep of my life then because that's the one thing I I'm going to really miss sleeping. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so your most favorite movie genre, comedy, romance, horror, or action? Um, what about sci-fi? Sci-fi, cool. <laughs> sci-fi, I'm going to put that in. Food, sweet or salty? Sweet. Sweet. And your most beautiful feature? Um, my... I'm going to say my hair or my eyes. I guess my eyes. I went with my hair, too, when I was doing my doing mm-hmm. Facebook. And that was, again, something I was thinking about in terms of the question. And most of the responses that I did get were um, were like a physical you know, part of your body as opposed to like a character thing. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I would say ultimately with all my friends, the most beautiful feature is probably their spirit. Yes. But we still don't think that way. But with my hair, that's my, I would think, my, also my most beautiful external feature. That is when I get it professionally blown out. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and But what I also want to do, because I love my hair so much, is grow it out long, like once a year, and then chop it to donate it to Locks of Love. So, oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, so that's something I'm going to do. And if your hair is your favorite thing, too, I'm going to encourage you to do that. So... Uh. What is the best advice your mama gave you? Oh, gosh. Um, to m- do things in my life for myself. I used to, I, when I would um, 
come home and get an A on a, a test. I go, look, are you happy? You happy? And she said, you're getting these marks for yourself. And I went, oh. <laughs> I was looking outside for approval and instead going within for my uh, love and my approval. That's perfect, and that's a perfect way to to close up shop today. So thank you, Nicole, for being You're with welcome. us. You're welcome. Thank you, and thank you, Cynthia's mom. Yeah, thanks, Mom, for coming on. Now it's back to our day jobs and back to prepping to go to the film festival. I realize i got to pack. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm going to go pack. Um, if you want to catch Mama's Pearls, Beauty Mark, Today's Show, or any of my past shows, please go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. If you want to email me, I'm at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com. You can follow me on Twitter at slash SynTweet, C-Y-N-T-W-E-E-T. Any of my blogs, this week's blog, Beauty Mark, can be found at www.MamasPearls.blogspot.com. And this is Cynthia of Mama's Pearls reminding you to enjoy your children, your family, say I love you. Remember in the mirror that you should always have a reflection of love and get some beauty sleep. We'll talk to you next week.